Welcome to The Art of Social Media, a podcast by Social Pilot. We host in-depth discussions with world-leading social media marketing experts that will help you discover the techniques, strategies, and skills you need to use to grow your business using social media. Now, here's your host, Tejas Mehta. Help me understand, right? The examples that you cited were of consumer brands, brands that people can relate to. When it comes to like mundane and arcane products like a CRM, for example, that becomes a challenge, right? If somebody were to launch a new CRM, for example, how would they differentiate? There are like folks like Basecamp who kind of talk about, you know, a different way of thinking about software versus Asana who are talking about like, you know, one place to do it all. If somebody somebody were to launch like a CRM in this crowded market, how would the branding part kind of make them stand apart? Yeah, so it's a really good point. So branding isn't always just messaging and design. It's also like the whole belief system, why you're doing it, the culture of your company. You know, so like it just as an example, like IBM, huge technological company, right? Kind of the game changers of their day. When they set out to build their company, he had a vision of where the company was going to go in 10 years. At the very beginning, he's like, this is IBM. This is where we're going. I talk to business owners every day. I probably chat to 2,000 business owners last year alone. You ask 2,000 business owners, what's your plan in 10 years? And watch the blood drain out of their face. So the point is, in my opinion, a brand starts with an idea, a vision, a big one. Like we call it a BHAG, which is just a fancy marketing term for a big hairy ass goal. I'm a big believer in this, right? If you ask me my 10-year vision, it would probably terrify most people. So IBM, right? He had this huge idea of what he wanted to do in 10 years. And you can read it. It's in a book. I can't remember what the book's called, but there's a book about this. And like literally every week, they would have a meeting about that vision, where we're going in 10 years, where we're going in 10 years, where we're going in 10 years, why we're doing it, why it's important, what's going to happen when we get there. That's kind of the first step in a brand, right? Where are we even going? And if the goal is money, you've already lost the battle, I think. There's two types of entrepreneurs. One entrepreneur is I'm going to you know, get into the business to solve a financial problem. So I can have money and buy a house and provide for my kids and live that freedom lifestyle off a laptop in the Bahamas, like that kind of stuff. My opinion is, and I heard this on another podcast and I thought this was hilarious, was starting a business to make money is the equivalent of having a child and expecting to have more free time. Building a business typically costs a hell of a lot of money for a couple of years before you even start to make money. And the point is you can't survive that phase unless you're really passionate about whatever it is you're solving. The second type of entrepreneur is the type of person that sees a problem, drives them crazy, and they decide to take action to solve that problem. Like Elon Musk looking at NASA and saying, why are they crashing a billion dollar vehicle into the ocean every time they launch? Drove him crazy. He'd be like a cocktail party flicking through like Russian manuscripts from the Soviet war trying to learn how they were trying to reland lock rockets. They were legitimately trying to do this in the 50s. He's like, what were they doing? He was obsessed with the problem. And he started building a plan and a vision, right? I want to start a, a rocket company. Everybody laughed at him. His friends were billionaires, successful people. And they're like, that's, that's ridiculous. You're not going to start a space company. But he had the idea. It drove him crazy. And he threw everything he had at it. And what happened is, call it manifestation, the law of attraction, grit, hustle, hard work, call it whatever you want, leprechauns, whatever, it happens. And I don't believe it would have happened had he not actually had 
the big tangible vision. So back to IBM, big vision, constant meetings. And the reason he was doing that was he was trying to build the culture of his team. He's like, hey, you're not just working your job. We're building this huge audacious thing. Do you want to be a part of it? So he was branding his crew, his internal team. So he arrival at our agency. When I'm interviewing people, I'm looking to see if someone's a rebel, if someone wants to be the master of their own universe. And if they want to have a nice job and they have a great resume and they have a nice personality, I don't hire them. If I see a bit of a fire in their belly and they're a bit of a rebel, like I want to prove the world I'm worth something and I'm on a mission and they have like a bit of an audacious persona to them, I know they're going to fit because they're going to come in and they're going to get to work. And then when they're confronted with a problem, they're just going to punch it until it collapses, right? So culture and the vision is the starting point for a brand, I think. Then you got to build your own story. Like, why do we exist? Why should a customer care? Why would they listen to us? And why would they buy our mission, right? Uh, Elon was like, I'm going to go to Mars. And people were like, I want to go to Mars. I want to see that happen. Let me get involved. Let me wear the merch. Let me buy the flamethrowers. Like, you know, all that kind of stuff. So if you have a big vision and you have a culture and you have a personality and a voice, it will attract people to what it is you're doing. So back to CRMs to answer your question. How do you make CRMs interesting? Well, have an interesting vision, have an interesting team to begin with, and then try to share that with the world. Hey, we're not your average CRM. We're this, right? Other CRMs are this, we're this. If you're just going to copy and paste what other CRMs are doing, sure, you might make a couple million bucks, but you're not going to become a unicorn company. To become a unicorn company, you have to kind of reinvent how something's perceived or understood. CRMs were around, Salesforce just changed the whole concept. They, they made it a web domain browser instead of software you have to download and install. Like just something little like that completely changed the entire industry. If you look at Slack, it's not a CRM, but it's a communication system. Why did that succeed when Xfire didn't succeed? I don't know if you know what Xfire is, but that's been around since like the early 2000s. It's basically Slack back in the early 2000s. So they understood how to speak to business people that are starting businesses that are not yet made it. So Slack targeted people that were starting and they were targeting people that were on their way to becoming a big business. And that's how they scaled, right? Whereas Xfire were targeting gamers and got annihilated by like Twitch and all these other platforms. Skype got annihilated by Zoom, right? Skype was too ambiguous. Back to my ambiguity example, they were doing too many things. They weren't owning one thing. Zoom was just like fast video chat. That's it. Nothing else. No confusion. That's all we do. Skype, we're like, we're a web domain and we're this and we're that and we're a software company. It was just too too heavy, too too difficult for people to even bother jumping in on. Yeah, I hope that answers your question. But how do you make yourself interesting? Separate yourself from the pack. Do something new. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. That requires a lot of uh, pre-thinking before even launching the product. That's a lot of work. What's your BHAG? Big ass Harry uh, vision. Big Harry ass go man. Do you have a, do you have a week? Do you have a weekend? Yeah. So I'll give you the short of it. So essentially, what what we're looking to do by 2030 as an agency is we want to buy our own building and we want to create a college campus for people that want to learn brand strategy and design. Because you can go to university, but you can't learn branding. You'll learn marketing and advertising, but this it's almost like this unspoken of thing where branding is just a secondary thing. I believe it's primary. 
So we're going to build an academy where you can go online or you can actually come to a campus and we'll actually have teachers and professors and educators um, and sell programs where people can come in and train branding for a year and then go launch an agency or go, you know, work as a brand manager for somebody else without having to go into crazy debt, you know, with a college or a university. So my ambition is to become the staple of the Asia Pacific's education and branding. Second to that is to have Rival being Australia's largest and Asia's Pacific's largest brand consultancy and design agency. Uh, we want to have about 500 employees. We want to have campuses in LA. We want to have campuses in London and campuses in, in greater Europe. We want to set up a huge online library system where people can educate themselves on everything from color theory to typography to logo design and everything else in between. And then I want to reinvest that money back into creating like some kind of global presence events where we're planning this actually next year. We're anticipating we could probably get three, 400 people to an event by 2030. We're hoping to grow that into a venue that has 5,000 plus people per city per, per event and run topics on the form of branding. And in the office, I want it to be four stories tall. I want to have its own gym, its own cafe, its own floor for education, a floor for the design agency and a floor for like lifestyle, community, collaboration, creative kind of content creation hub. But yeah, my, my ambition and the reason why I want to do this is I want to inspire every business owner on the planet in the billions to look at us and think of us as a place that they can either learn from, they can either grow at, or they can either consult with or hire. And we genuinely want to change the whole market when it comes to branding and what it means. That that's that's, really that's, that's, that's maybe 5% of it. <laughs> wow. It's big already. So good to know. Wonderful. And I hope you sincerely succeed. So all the best for that. Coming back to branding, Talk to me about the impact of branding on social media. How does that work? Does social media amplify your brand? Is it just too crowded to kind of even get noticed? Yeah, I would say like it's it's how you're understood, right? Like if you're at a party and you walk in there and there's 100 people you've never met, what do you do? You're a human being. You're going to judge people. You're going to look around the room and go, he looks dangerous. She looks funny. He looks bubbly. He looks introverted. He looks nervous. Like you just start judging the environment. People do this on social media. You scroll through your feed, annoying, boring, lazy, like unconsciously, you're just judging every brand you come in contact with, right? I watch my fiance shop online and I just watch her thought process and she'd be like, ah, I might buy this makeup brand. It is a little lazy though. I don't like the font they're using and she buys it anyways, right? It's just people will unconsciously judge what you do. They still might buy from you, but they're putting you in a box. They're assuming you're something. You know, back to the party analogy, if you walk to a party and let's just say there's a hundred relatives that you know there, not strangers, relatives you know, right? You would look around the room and go, well, that's the funny uncle. That's the loving auntie. That's the rascal cousin. Like you still do the same thing. You kind of put people into a box. People do this with brands. Nike is the hero company. Mercedes is about power. Rolex is about status. Toyota is about reliability. Harley Davidson is about rebellion. You know, Apple's about simplicity and minimalism. John Deere tractors is about running perfectly, right? Ferraris are exotic and fast. So like brands are kind of known for things. When you're having an impact on social media, it's like, well, what impact do you want to have? What do you want to be? Like, how do you want to be understood? How do you want to be perceived? And what I see is most people are confusing. I don't know what they do. It's, it take, if it takes me more than four seconds to figure it out, 
I've given up and not unless I see them consistently, maybe 30 plus times they come up in my feed, would they start to build a concept in my head? So branding won't happen on one post. It'll make an impression, but branding is like, okay, I've experienced this 30 times. How do I feel about it? What, what do I understand of this? And what we teach business owners is, would you not like to control that? Or would you like to just hope it works out for the best? Every business owner I've talked to says, no, I want to control that. And then I ask them, well, what would you like it to be? And usually it's, I don't know. <laughs> I've just been throwing stuff at the wall and just seeing what sticks. And we just say, look, it's okay to throw things at the wall and test things, but let's sit down and let's actually come up with an idea. And let's let's walk through a process and decide and design what you would like that perception to be. It can't happen like that, not unless you kind of stumble into it and it has happened. But most people I talk to that are business owners, they have no idea. And if they do have an idea, they usually go to what they know, right? Well, everyone else in my industry looks trustworthy, so I should be trustworthy. And everyone else in my industry talks about quality, so I'll talk about quality. And then they fall back into the trappings of being generic. So the challenge is most business owners either think they know what they're doing and they're being generic most of the time, not always, or um, they're confusing as hell. They don't know what they're doing, nor do their audience. And branding is literally getting clarity on what it is you're doing and what you want the outcome to be and how you want people to feel. Branding is like, how do people feel about you? Like, why is it that people wait out the front of an Apple store for two days to get the latest phone? And then I can just go there a week later and just walk straight in. Like, why? Well, they have some kind of emotional reason for that. And having impact on social media is the same. Now, if you think about social media, the analogy I use, it's like a library. If you walk into a library, what do you do? Well, you're not there to look at the posters on the wall and consider, you know, joining the local gym or whatever they're advertising. Libraries are allowed to advertise, they do it. It's fine, they, they cover costs doing that. But that's not why people go there, right? People go to the library for two reasons. I want to learn something and study, or I want to entertain myself with a, a novel, a horror novel, or a fantasy novel. I'm not really there for any other reason. I'm just trying to entertain myself. I'm trying to kill time, whatever it is. Social media is the same thing. People walk into, the li- uh, into social media like it's a library for one or two reasons. I want to learn something and I'll follow channels I can learn from. Or I want to entertain myself. I'll follow comedians and people dancing and whatever else it is. What businesses do is they go, how do we sell our shit? Post a photo of our products. Yeah, that'll get them. You know what I mean? And what happens is, sure, you might get a couple followers, but they're not on social media to see that. They're on social media to be either learning something or getting entertainment. So if you change your concept from how do I get something out of this? And start thinking about how do I make content and put that content in the library? Like, how do I become a great author that people will request? How do I write a novel that people will read four, five, six, seven times? How do I, how do I have the most popular books in the library? Because if that happens, I'm going to get paid anyway, right? So people will seek me out and buy my stuff because they're in love with the novels or they want to know when the next one's coming out or they want to, you see what I'm saying? So Social media is the same thing. You walk in there and you're like, give me something of value. So when we work with business owners, we say, well, show yourself fashion, but how do you make it so that people find it entertaining and they want to comment, they want to follow it, they want to see it, right? How do we, how do we actually figure out what they want? Back to the Jeep analogy, who's our tribe? What do they want? 
are they here to learn? Are they here to entertain? And then how do we give them what they want? And then, then you deserve their attention. You don't have a license to make money just because you have a social page. You've got to give them something, something that they can enjoy. Right. So the two aspects of uh, engaging people, like either teach them something or entertain them, is that your central ethos for content creation? Is that what you kind of keep in mind? It's, it's a big part of it. I think like back to branding, right? What's your vision? Like have a vision. Who are you? Figure out who you are. Who's your tribe? Who are you trying to invite into your vision? And who are you trying to relate to? So for me, for example, my Instagram page, I use entertainment and education together. I call it edutainment. I make content that's educational and quick to learn. It's kind of funny sometimes. It's kind of it's kind of weird. It's kind of wacky. So I'm just trying to make people smile or smirk or have a giggle sometimes. So when I'm making content, this is my entire business model. This is how you found me, right? I distribute like an author. I'm like, how do I write something that people would want to pick up off a library shelf and go, I'm going to read this. This looks interesting. It's about UFOs or whatever it is. For me, I'm trying to speak to my tribe, which are people that are in businesses that are frustrated. They're racking their brain. Why can't I get clients? Why am I not getting attention? Everyone's outpacing me. This brand looks better than me. I'm competing. Oh my God, what do I do? I need to run some marketing. But every time I work with an ad agency, they waste my money. So they're kind of stuck. And they could be a new business owner. But the people I'm really trying to speak to is people that are already successful and they're stuck. And everyone else is welcome to come along for the ride. But I'm trying to speak directly to an entrepreneur that is in the groove, but they're looking for that next edge. They're looking for that next tip. So I make content and hashtags designed for that person to fly through their Instagram and go, what's this bright yellow? What is this? Swipe through it. Ha, huh, I learned something. Save, forget, come back. Oh yeah, I saw this guy the other day. That's funny, like save. That happens 20, 30 times. Who is Dane Walker? Tap on my page. Oh, he runs a brand agency. Oh, he's got a cool website forget right they go on this journey where eventually they're like man i gotta do something about my friggin' branding who do i know i come to mind what's that guy's name dane walker let me go to his page let me go to his website let me fill out the form i'm in right i don't have to tell my customers to do that i'm just valuable enough that i say at the top of their on top of their mind and the moment they need me i want to be the first person they think of and that's actually happening a lot to the point now where we have a reputation here in Australia with pretty much, dude, pretty much anyone in college or university right now that's studying branding or design probably knows of me. And people that are brand managers in companies have probably heard of me. They might not follow me, but they've heard of me. I've come up in conversation. I've had a piece of content shared with them, whatever. To the point now where our biggest retail chains are referring clients to me and I've never met them, but they've followed me for a year. So, the outcome from this is I was able to scale, you know, a huge multi-million dollar business in two years. And all I was doing was authoring content. I wasn't asking or selling anything. So people have this whole thing backwards. And I've shared this message thousands of times. But if you're listening to this or even yourself, I, I can't stress enough. It's a simple answer. It's, there's really no secret. It's just be valuable and give with zero expectation. Because if you continue to do that and you're actually good at it, like you actually give away stuff that's actually helpful or funny, you'll get to this point now, right? I have a friend, um, you can check out their channel, Swag on the Beat. These guys are comedians. 
they're now doing collaborations with big seltzer companies and big collaborations with ad commercial companies and huge retailers. They're just three comedians making funny content and not asking for anything. And they're doing these huge deals for sponsorships because they've they've been in the public's eye for years. People love them. Now brands want to leverage that attention for their products. So whether you're an entertainer or an educator, the, the ambition should be who's my tribe and how do I serve them genuinely, like with no ambition of making money at all. That's that's a very interesting way of uh, uh, developing your personal brand and also getting a lot of business. Wonderful. I just want to kind of touch upon the last topic. How do you win as an agency apart from developing your own brand and attracting clients? If a lot of our listeners are agency owners, uh, what are the tips for agency owners to win? So like, like how can an agency owner win? Mm-hmm. And when you say win, what do you mean? Get more clients, be bigger. Yeah, I would say like, I would say get in the content game. I think like most of my competitors have been around like here in Sydney. They've probably been around for like 15 years, some of them, literally. And they have teams of maybe 15 to 30 people. I've done in two years what they took 15 years to do. And the way I was able to do that is through content. Like 15 years ago, you couldn't make content online not really and get this many clients and this much traffic you could make a website right but you couldn't really you maybe you you had a myspace account i don't know um but it wasn't what it was like today so the point is if i was to get a partnership role with any of my competitors right i would say all right we need to make content that is our marketing plan because if you can out content your competition you win you have everyone's attention. Everybody loves you more, right? If they're all just selling stuff and you're giving it away all of it for free and you're doing a high production, you're literally like, here's everything. Like you go to my Instagram, everything I'm talking about today is in my page. Like I've talked about it at some point. If you give away everything for free, here's what happens. People go, wow, this guy knows their stuff. She knows her stuff. They know their stuff. I can't be bothered doing it myself. Let me get them to do it for me. As an agency, that's what usually they're scared of. They're scared of if they give it all away for free, people will just use it for free and they won't get paid. But what happens is, and this happens all the time, my audience, I guarantee there's bunches of people out there that have taken what I've given away for free and made massive success out of it. And I've never heard from them, never got a comment, DM, doesn't matter. I'm just like, cool, I made impact, right? But there's enough people that will reach out and go, can you please help me? I got friends that have two, 3,000 followers on Instagram that are making content like this. And they're making millions of dollars a year because you don't need half a million followers like I do to make that happen. If you just become valuable and consistent and give value, you will get referred. People will want to talk to you. So yeah, make content, like our content people for real. Interesting. Simple, but uh, requires a lot of hard work. Good to know. Yeah, it's not uh, easy, man. It's, it's not easy making content. It's tough, but like, you know, that's almost the beauty yeah. of it because it's, because it's hard. Nobody wants to do it. And yeah. because it's hard, all your competitors leave it on the shelf. And if you want to crush them, take it off the shelf and do it. Like it's going to be hard. I mean, I spend sometimes, you know, 25 hours a week making content. It's sometimes the last thing I want to do. But back to the vision, if you have that big BHAG, you'll be like, you know what? I don't feel like it, but let's do it anyway. I got to build that. I got to build that crazy four story building at some point. So I may as well do my content creation today. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Makes a lot of sense. Top three books that you like. That's tough. What type of books? I got, I got a lot, man. I got a library, <laughs> like sales, marketing, <laughs> branding, business. If you were to pick three, 
which which three would that be? That's a great NLP question. All right, so <laughs> I would say this is a personal favorite, the 10x rule. I changed my life, that book. Yeah, it just it shifted my think pattern. It it changed how I thought about problems. Second to that is probably The Richest Man in Babylon. Really beautiful storytelling. I think the book is like 8,000 years old, something crazy. Like it's a really old book that's just been rewritten throughout the ages. Really powerful stuff. Just great, great principles on money. And then I think like for me personally, Cashflow Quadrant is probably number three. The first book I ever read and changed how I perceived money. It shifted me from thinking about money in a poverty mindset and starting to think about money as a tool that anyone can access. And yeah, those three books, man, they're really meaningful to me. And then another great business one is The Art of War. I like how abstract it is, but I've used a lot of the, those techniques in business, weirdly enough. Yeah. Interesting. Good to know. Art of War is... is uh, <laughs> why do people look at business as a war? I, I sometimes kind of... Then you kind of think about that. I look at businesses like it's it's quite a. I don't necessarily look at it as like the horrors of war. I kind of look at it as like it's a book about strategy. Like mm-hmm. weirdly enough, this is kind of funny, but like when I used to play Counter Strike professionally, like I I was a gamer. I read that book and like just reading that book completely changed how I played the game, and I dramatically optimized my performance in the game. When I look at business and I think about you know, some of the principles in Art of War, number one is try to maintain altitude. What I mean by that is try to be in the best position versus your opponent. And in the business, this is not how I look at it. But like, if you look at a business, like, like let's just say you're in a sales negotiation, there's opposition, right? Somewhat they're an opponent. They have their interest, which is to get your price as low as possible. You have your interest, which is to provide them value and make sure you maintain your price. So the idea of like maintaining your altitude for me, is when I go into a sales negotiation and the client says, can you do anything better? I just flat out say no. Why? Because they go, well, this person doesn't need my money. Altitude, they don't need me. So you start to portray yourself in a position of power, like, hey, I don't need you. You need my services. But if you say I'm expensive, I am expensive. Good luck. That kind of energy makes people go, hang on a, hang on a second. Like, no, I am interested. You know what I mean? Like, it, it sucks the power out of the room and you put yourself in a position of altitude. Stuff like that. The other thing is like appear strong when you're weak. And here's an example. Uh, when I was a freelancer, I labeled my brand Victory Front because nobody wants to work with a freelancer. Not really. <laughs> not when you're a business. Small people want to work with a freelancer. Businesses that have a, money, a million dollars want to work with agency owners that have a million dollars, right? Law of attraction. Everyone kind of has to be on the same level. So appear big when you're weak is making yourself look like you are that agency when you're just a freelancer, that was able to help me get my first multi-million dollar client using that strategy. The other one is appear small when you are big, right? So one of the problems I have now that we have 22 people is if someone has a reasonably new business and they go, hey, can you give me a quote? They go, but you guys are probably too busy for me. I'm probably a small priority. And we make ourselves appear small, even though we are those things, we make our agency appear small and intimate as to not have them feel that way. So there's a lot of strategy. There's a lot of the art of war in business if you translate from war to business. Does that make sense? Yep, it does. I'm going to read this from a new perspective now. So thanks for that. 
Yeah, if you read that book with business in mind, it's like, ah, it changes your life, man. It's cool. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. This is a lot of fun, but I want to be respectful of your time as well. Thanks a lot for uh, the insights. I think we just scratched the surface. Uh, We're going to get you again on the show one of these days. But where can people find you online? Just type in Dane Walker, D-A-I-N-W-A-L-K-E-R. I'll come up on Google, type that in on Instagram, you'll find me there. We're launching a podcast and a bunch of stuff soon. So just look up Rival, R-I-V-Y-L. Tons more free content on the way in January. So keep an ear out. Sounds great. Thank you so much, uh, Dane. It was a pleasure talking. Hope you kind of succeed with your big hair yes goal. And uh, talk to you soon. Thanks, man. Big love, dude. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. The Art of Social Media is brought to you by Social Pilot. To find out more about Social Pilot and how we can give you everything you need to hit your social media marketing goals, visit socialpilot.co. And then make sure to search for The Art of Social Media in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, or anywhere else podcasts are found. Make sure to click follow so you don't miss any future episodes. On behalf of the team here at Social Pilot, Thanks for listening.